0: Well, hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys have tuned into the podcast today. It's Mailbox Monday, and I'm gonna be answering listener questions today about what it means in the Bible when it says train up a child in the way he should go. Is that a promise or is it a proverb? Some of you have heard me talk about this before, but I had an interesting question come in. I'm gonna revisit it today. Also, we're gonna talk about the word of faith movement. The question becomes, of course, Is it biblical? And finally, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of encouragement about how to handle panhandling in your neck of the woods. This is the Heidi St. John Podcast. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, for listening. They hope you're having a great Christmas season wherever you are. I had a wonderful time recently in Midland, Texas, going down there for uh, some business meetings. And I'm here to tell you guys, God is doing some amazing things with regard to education. I've got a bunch of things I cannot wait to tell you about, which I think you'll hear more about from me uh, in the months to come. Also want to let you know that my brand new book from Brave Books is coming out on the 1st of January. Uh, I have written a brand new book for them called The Mouse and the Sea. It's my newest Uh, Writing project, and it's a children's book. I can't wait for you guys to see it. We're going to be entering into some wonderful partnerships with our friends at Brave Books, and so you're going to hear more about that in the days to come, but I want to encourage you, this is a really phenomenal gift for your family. If you've got grandchildren or little ones at your home, uh, nothing is more life-giving than sitting down and reading to them. It's something that I love to do with my children, and I hope you guys will check it out. So again, it's not out yet, but wait for it. Uh, Starting in January, my brand new book, it's called The Mouse and the Sea is releasing from Brave Book. So I'm really excited about that. Also, we're very excited because coming up on the calendar here, we've got a marriage retreat. Phil Gunger is going to be in town doing Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage the weekend of Valentine's Day. So uh, put that on your calendar and then we're going to be doing a worldview summit for teens and their parents. Lots of things happening to enrich your family here at Firmly Planted Family. And so we hope you guys will, uh, will tune in for that kind of stuff. And come and see us. Come out and see us. We're, we've got a wonderful hotel right across the street from Firmly Planted. And so if there are things that are happening here, we'd love to have you involved. And you can find out more about that simply by going to firmlyplantedfamily.org. Also, you guys, your Christmas cards are coming in. And I got to say, my wall is filling up. Thank you for writing into to me. Thanks for sending in pictures and your family Christmas letters. Also, several of you have been sending in donations to Firmly Planted Family. I can't thank you enough for that. The work that God is doing here is growing. And uh, I had the opportunity just a couple of days ago to sit down and talk to a mom whose family has been deeply impacted by the homeschool movement and really said this was the movement that changed the trajectory of her family. But when it came down to it, as we were talking about it, really what changed her family was the obedience to the Lord to say, stop outsourcing the parenting of your children. Uh, The responsibility for raising children really does belong to parents. And so I'm excited to just hear the stories of the things that God is doing in your life, keep them coming. I'd love to continue to hear from you. You guys can reach out to me directly. That's how I'll be answering questions today. If you go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday, that is where you can go to submit your questions. All right. I answered this question over at happy hour, uh, several days ago, but I wanted to come back and answer it again and give you guys even some more, I think, information. I don't know about what's going on in your neck of the woods, but where I live, there are increasing numbers of people on the road, panhandling, you know, standing there with signs in the middle of the intersection. Uh, really, I mean, st- Living in absolute squalor, they're living in squalor on the side of the road. They're, you know, in. If you go to downtown Portland right now; it's embarrassing what the city of Portland is allowing to to happen there. There are agencies, there are programs, there are resources to help get people clean and sober and off drugs. And instead, the city is saying, "Oh, it's no problem; just go ahead and pitch your tent in somebody's backyard." Uh, it's ridiculous. And a lot of times, I think we don't know what to do, and it's and it's an awkward thing, right? You you pull up to a a freeway interpass right you're waiting for the light to turn green and somebody comes up to your window and he's holding a sign and it says you know i've got little children anything helps and we feel guilty people give out of guilt let's just be honest about it well not too long ago i was in scottsdale and i saw a sign on the side of the road in scottsdale this is what it said i'm going to read it to you because it's on my phone it said it's okay to say no to panhandlers. Give instead to agencies that help those in need. I thought that was really phenomenal advice, stellar advice, in fact, coming from Arizona.gov. Believe it or not, a government agency actually given good advice. It was shocking. I hardly knew what to do with myself. I was so like, wow, look at that. But I went to the, the Arizona website And they have an entire section that's dedicated to helping people that are experiencing crisis, whether it's a mental health crisis or a financial crisis or whatever it is. And it says, you can help in a variety of ways without giving money to panhandlers. Uh, Many people do not realize that donating to agencies dedicated to helping people in need, such as churches, shelters, and food banks, are often a better way to help the homeless versus providing individual contributions. And so then they link to several things that are right, you know, local to Arizonans. But I thought, man, you know, that is a really good way to uh if if your heart is really hurting for what you see happening on the side of the road, let's find out what are the agencies. And most of the time, I mean frankly, they're not government agencies. Most of the time, like in Portland, it's the Portland Rescue Mission, these are funded by individual donations. These are funded by people who love the Lord. Uh, who want to offer help to these people. And what you'll see more often than not in many cases, and I think this is true here in the Pacific Northwest and most of the major cities that I visit, when we give money to people who are panhandling on the side of the road, more often than not, it doesn't go to help them get off the road. It just keeps them on the side of the road. And so- Uh, There are agencies. I wish that we were doing a better job at this. Unfortunately, the government in many cases, so it looks like they're doing a pretty good job in Arizona. But in many cases, what's happened is that government agencies have made themselves um, unavailable or the government entities have decided it's okay. So they issue emergency proclamations and they just say, go ahead and squat here on the side of the road. And pretty soon you got needles and drug dealing and uh, all manner of Uh, of just filth and squalor right there on the side of the road. And it is hard to watch, I agree. But I don't think that the answer, I agree actually for once with a government agency from Arizona, I don't think that the answer to what is plaguing these people, what ends up, you know, puts them on the road in the first place is to give money. You don't know where that money's going. You don't know if the money's going to buy drugs. You don't know if the money's going to buy alcohol. You don't know if the money's going into a sex trafficking operation. You don't know where that money goes. Uh, I have a friend who gives, routinely, gives toothbrushes and that kind of thing. She has little care packages that she and her daughter give out when they see people on the side of the road panhandling. And it has, you know, like a beef jerky stick in it and uh, toothpaste and a toothbrush and uh, just basic hygiene kit. And not that long ago, she gave a basic hygiene kit to a guy standing on the side of the road. And when she, when the light turned green and she went through the intersection, she saw him just pick it up, rummage through it, and throw it away. And I think that's, sadly, that's what happens a lot of the time. So uh, when I ran for Congress, we studied this particular issue uh, from many different angles. And I think you guys may have heard my friend Ray Reynolds on the show with me saying that there were basically three camps of... Uh, homeless people, three types of homeless people, they fall into three camps. You know, I should pardon the pun because they're also our homeless camps. But he was saying that uh, you have, first of all, you have the uh, the criminally homeless. These are people that are out on the streets because they are there for nefarious purposes. They're sex trafficking, they're dealing in drugs. They have found a way to make living on the street work for them. And frankly, these these encampments make cities less livable. They make the streets more dangerous uh, it's not helping that we are, are giving money to these people. Then you have the chronically homeless. These are people that for whatever reason are not uh, will not get clean, will not go, get sober, will not go down and take advantage of the services that are being offered at many churches and government agencies across the United States. And then you have what Ray called the acutely homeless. These are people that genuinely want help, need help, they are acutely homeless, meaning something happened that forced them out on the, on the streets. These are not people that are involved in nefarious activities or people that just have decided, Hey, the street is where I'm just going to live. And, uh, and that's just the way it's going to be. And so I, I think no matter what the case is, whether these people are acutely homeless or chronically homeless, clearly this doesn't apply to criminally homeless, but, uh, I still think that the best solution is not to give money to these people. I think it is to give money to organizations. And if you have a heart for for uh, ministry to homeless, most cities have uh, missions organizations that will tell you exactly what you can do. Recently, we took part in a warm blanket and coat drive and uh, we collected those, those items and took them down to the homeless shelter. And so you can also be a part of doing that, so that was a great question, and I appreciate you guys sending it in. I talked about this before, but I want to—I'm going to touch on it again. Kayla in Iowa said that she'd heard me mention Proverbs twenty-two six: Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. She said, "Heidi, you have said this is not a promise. Can you explain your thoughts a little bit more? Because all I ever heard growing up is that it is a promise from the Lord, and it will not come back." Well, first of all, you're merging two different verses together. This is a proverb, it is not a promise. Although it looks like it at first glance, it does sound like something that God-fearing parents are taking to heart as a promise from the Lord. If you raise your children in the ways of the Lord, and the nurture and admonition of the Lord, then they will walk with the Lord. And this is what the verse says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. But I do not believe that a promise is what God intends for this passage. Let's look at a couple of different translations. Uh, this one says train a child in a way that is appropriate for him, and when he becomes older, he will not turn away from it. The NIV says start children off in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they won't turn away from it. So what does the way of a child mean? Well, the word used for way in the Hebrew is derek, which of course means a course for life. It's a journey that, that you're on. It's a road. And first and foremost, it means a godly direction. We know this isn't a promise from the Lord, you guys. I can tell you uh, right off the top of my head, many wonderful Christian parents who have trained their children in righteousness and those children have chosen to walk away from the Lord. Our children have free will. Our children have free will. They can choose to do right, they can choose to do wrong. They can choose to walk with the Lord or they can choose to walk away from him. Our job is to give as much biblical counsel to our children as we can, to take to heart the uh, the admonition in Deuteronomy 6 that we train our children when we rise up and when they when we walk along the road and when we lie down. We want to be talking to our children about what is good and what is right and teaching them the principles of the word of God, primarily, obviously, salvation. But it is not a promise. It is generally true. It is a proverb but it is not a promise from the Lord. And this kind of goes into the Word of Faith movement, and I'll get to that in a minute. But parenting, a parenting question came in from Bell in California, and she says that her 19-year-old daughter was caught uh, engaging in sexual activity outside of marriage while she was living at home. She moved out with a friend by choice, her mom's not sure if this is going to be, you know, a permanent situation or if she's moving out just temporarily. And she wants to know what a God-honoring response would be, given that she has two young teens still left at home. You guys hear me talk about this all the time, but strong families don't happen by accident. Lots of time in prayer, intentional time spent together, and teaching the values that really matter are what build strong families. It isn't easy, but Brave Books makes it a little bit easier. Brave Books believes in the power of the family unit to shape the next generation, and you guys know that's my jam. Their family book subscription includes a book per month with family activities and lessons that teach subjects like freedom versus communism, traditional gender identity, and the importance of being truthful. They are such great books, and your kids are gonna love them. This is a great Christmas gift that will keep on giving well into the new year. Go to bravebooks.com right now and use the promo code Heidi to save 20% off your Brave Books family subscription. That's bravebooks.com, coupon code Heidi. First of all, uh, I just want to acknowledge this is a painful thing. I've talked a little bit on my show before about parenting prodigals and how difficult that can be and it is so painful but as I've said to you know dozens and dozens of parents over the years the enemy wants a two for the price of one right not only does he want your daughter he would like to discourage you to the point where you just you quit trying to be a a positive influence in the life of your children or you feel so defeated by the decisions that your daughter has made that you stop pouring into the lives of the children that you still have at home so the god-honoring response first and foremost, is to remember that your child belongs to the Lord. You have a 19-year-old daughter who is, uh, by all accounts, now an adult. She is responsible for the decisions that she is making, and you need to be in prayer for her. We never stop loving our children, right? This is honestly, I mean, this is why uh, the, the a, a prodigal child is so painful and is so difficult for a parent. It's because we never stop loving our children. And when you've got a child who's walking away from the Lord, I think the hardest thing about that is as a parent, you know that that child is going to be reaping in their lives, the consequences of those bad decisions, whether it's uh, engaging in sexual activity outside of marriage, or whether it's uh, foolish choices with regard to the company that they're hanging out with or decisions that they're making regarding what they put in their bodies or whatever it is, we want what's best for our children. That's naturally wired into parents. But when you have a child who is engaged in this kind of activity, your primary response should be two things. It should be prayer and it should be love. We love our kids, so don't alienate your kids. The stories that 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 break my heart the most are the ones that I hear of parents who their kids make a bad decision, or maybe they even wound the parents, right? And rather than respond with love, it's okay for your kids to see you sad and even you know crying and, and disappointed or whatever. But I have seen so many parents say, "That's it, you know, you're not welcome in my home anymore." you know, get out of here. Now, I would imagine that there is a point when that is an appropriate response. Most of the time we make those decisions out of anger and we drive even a greater wedge between us and our children. And we don't want to do that. And so we want to be loving our children, praying for our children. If you've got other kids living at home and you definitely, you know, obviously you've got two teens still at home, I'd be engaging those teens and praying for their sibling right and just saying hey you know what we love your sister and we're going to pray for her that the choices that she makes become uh, back into obedience with the lord so that they're life giving for her and so that's what we want with our kids and i would just encourage you you know love love your daughter continue to love her let her know that you love her uh, you can love her without supporting the choices that she's making you can love her without inviting her back into your home you can love her Without and so much of the mistakes that we make in parenting, right, is we want we want so badly for our children not to experience hurt that we we keep them from any kind of consequence of their own choices, and ultimately that makes the situation worse. So pray for your daughter, love your daughter, and then take it before the Lord. Uh, no one understands the pain of a prodigal child more than God does. Uh, look around; we are the children of God who have been shaking our our, our fist. In the face of God, since the Garden of Eden, and God understands that pain in particular. All right, we had an anonymous uh, listener write in and say, "Can you give a biblical reasoning as to why the Word of Faith movement is not biblical?" I do not always understand healing. I understand why He does not always heal, but if God is perfect, why would it not always be His will to heal? I have a family in the movement and it is exhausting. These family members follow pastors such as Joyce Myers and Jimmy Evans. How can I try to convince them that these pastors are not biblical? Well, always we wanna take people back to the word of God. And so the emphasis of the word of faith movement is an emphasis on man's ability and man's power and man's authority Rather than the authority of God, uh, Joel Osteen comes to mind. He's probably the most most famous word of faith preacher that I can think of. And rather than preaching about the word of God, this is why Joel Osteen drives me a hundred different kinds of crazy. Anytime I've ever heard him preach is because he basically says the same thing Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You know, uh, you guys know that they they hold up the word of God and they say, "This is the word of God." I am who it says I am. It's like it's like by saying those words that somehow they're going to receive the blessing of the Lord. And this is really common in the word of faith movement. And if it bothers if it bothers you, imagine how God feels about it, because this is taking away the glory that belongs to God alone, and saying, "I can, as a human being, basically manipulate God into action. I can manipulate God into action, and uh, I can manipulate His children in order to receive His blessing." And that, to me, is the 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 bottom line of the word of faith movement. So rather than preach the gospel, they focus on what can be obtained simply by the power of a person's will. So true biblical teaching, on the other hand, is going to focus on the Bible. It's going to focus on the scripture. It's going to focus on the text in context. What do we read before the passage that we're studying? What are we reading after it? Who is this, this passage being addressed to? What was Jesus trying to convey or the apostle Paul or whoever was the author of that particular book. And obviously the most important thing that we find in scripture is the means by salvation. And then we learn about the blessing of walking with the Lord. The word of God, the Bible says, is profitable for teaching, for training in righteousness, for helping us understand our sin. And I notice I have never, and of course I haven't heard that many, messages, to be fair, that Joel Osteen's ever taught, but I've never really heard Joel Osteen ever talk about sin, ever talk about the consequences of our actions. I've never heard that. And it's also really important if, if uh, you want to talk about the Word of Faith movement, it's important to remember that there isn't a single place in scripture that God has ever promised to heal everyone, Ever. You're not gonna find it in the Bible. He never said he would prosper everyone. He never said he was gonna enlarge the borders, the territories of every believer. Uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says that if you speak in tongues and you're filled with the spirit, that all of a sudden you have the ability and the power uh, to heal somebody. And the the really big uh, problem with this, obviously, is that when people get into this movement and then something happens to them and they pray for healing and they don't get it, Then they become disenfranchised. So often you see people, uh, you know, disentangling themselves from their faith growing up, or, uh, you know, you you get in a sort of a Rachel Held Evans moment and you're deconstructing your faith because you didn't get what you thought you were going to get. And I think this is one of the major problems with the word of faith movement because they believe that your words alone have the power to create and heal and a negative matter to kill and destroy. Now, that's true, right? We can absolutely wound people with our words. I think if we live in a negative mindset all the time, uh, we're absolutely gonna bring that negativity into our own lives, right? That's just, to me, that is absolutely common sense. So there is power in our words, Right, the the power of life and death. The Bible says is on the tongue. We're talking about how I speak to my children. How do I speak to the people who work for me? How do I speak to my uh, to my staff and to the people that I meet at events that I'm at? There is there's a um, tremendous power in our words. In in fact, they can bring hope to someone else, or they can bring hurt. Bring hurt. They can bring healing or they can do harm. And we need to be thinking about that. But regarding sickness, you will hear people who embrace the word of faith system talking about not speaking about sickness as if those words are gonna matter. So they won't even speak the words because heaven forbid you should say, oh man, so-and-so got the flu. I hope I don't get the flu. Oops. I'm gonna say that and like the spirit of the flu is gonna come into my life. Uh, That's not biblical at all. There's an article that Joel Osteen wrote about having victory over depression. And this is what he said in that article. This is, and I quote, it's time to use our words to declare good things. Well, I'm with you right there, Joel. I'm absolutely with you. Yes, let's use our words to declare good things. I want to tell my children, I'm so proud of you. I noticed that the way you're diligently practicing the piano this week, it's so good. I want to talk to my husband and say, Thank you for the way that you're providing for our family and for leading our family. I want to declare good things over my children. But I understand that those good things are not voodoo magic words. Because I declare a good thing does not make it so. So that is that is not what Joel Osteen believes. He says it's time to use your words to declare good things. Speak blessing over your life and your family throughout the day. Say things such as I have the favor of God. I am strong and healthy. I can't help it. Every time I think about this stuff, I get it. <laughs> I, like I should start talking like Joel Osteen. I am well able to do what I need to do. Can you guys hear him saying that? And what he's doing is he's telling all these people who are declaring these things out loud that the power in those words comes from inside of me and that's that's not that's not right. And then when these people don't get healed, when they don't get the job, when they don't get the parking place at Macy's, when they're not first in line for a Black Friday sale, they blame themselves. They think, well, my my faith is weak and it makes them feel unworthy to be a believer because they're not receiving the blessing of God. The movement makes human beings into little gods who can speak into existence things that will come to pass by the force of their words spoken in faith alone. And it simply is an unbiblical premise. This is why Paul warned us in 2 Corinthians, if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus other than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. And why he was, quote, astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. The word of faith movement is a distortion of the gospel of Christ. And I would encourage you to stay away from it as it replaces the the Holy Spirit with emotions. And it absolutely, I mean, this is a perfect generation for that because we are so heavily focused on our emotions. We wanna move away from that And trust in the Lord. Perhaps if they, uh, I read this quote, and I'll link back to this article uh, in the show notes today, but it says the worship services where word of faith theology is being employed relies on the movement of people's emotions rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. The flavor and accent of such preaching strikes at the heart of people's needs. Perhaps they have a disease that needs to be healed or a financial crisis that needs to be resolved. And if they would just claim their victory with their words or declare their financial blessing according to a word of faith teacher, they will receive it. The problem with this, of course, is that you cannot Uh, Prove this sort of sloppy agape theology anywhere in the Bible. All right, you guys, that is all I have time for today. I wanna to thank you so much for listening to the Heidi St. John podcast. I've got a couple more questions that I'm gonna to answer today for happier. So if you are subscribed to the show, stick around. I'm gonna answer a couple more questions. Everybody else, thank you so much for listening to the show and for subscribing. I would love to hear from you. Please send me a Christmas card. I'll put it up on my wall here at Firmly Planted Family. You can write to me, Heidi St. John, of Firmly Planted Family, 14001. Southeast First Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98684. If you are able to, uh, to send in a year-end donation to Friendly Planet Family, we would greatly appreciate that as well. You can either go to FriendlyPlanetFamily.org to give or you can send a check in correspondence through the mail. Thank you guys for listening. We love you so much. Love your people well today. And I will see you right back here again tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.